The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of Unique Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. If you are new here, welcome. Quick reminder that I like to give at the top of every episode that is, although I'm a therapist and although this podcast is called Uni Therapy, this is not a replacement for actual therapy or a substitute for any mental health service. All right, so I have an announcement today, and it is that we are going to start a new segment on Couch Talks. And if you are new and you don't know what Couch Talks is, it is the episode that comes out every Wednesday where I generally will answer a question that a listener sends in to me, and you can send that to Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. Well, once a month, what I have decided to do is add a special segment called Bagel Stories. And if you listen to the podcast from last week, when I talked about crying over a sesame bagel, then you know what I'm talking about. But what I found was that episode ended up being one of the episodes that I got the most feedback from people just relating to and feeling less alone in. And so what I want to do, because I think it's important, is I want to create a community where we are sharing stories where we maybe had a moment where we overreacted or we acted outside of our value system or our norm or any of that, where we could not regulate our emotions the way that we normally can. I want us to share those stories so we can realize that it's actually a normal thing to do and it humanizes us. And at the same time, those stories lead us to learning more about ourselves. And so I want to hear your bagel moments. I want to hear the stories where something happens and then in the end, it actually leads you to learning something about you, your partner, a friend, uh, any kind of relationship. So bagel stories, it is going to be once a month, hopefully, and I will continue to share my bagel stories with you as well. Uh, But it's nice to hear from the people out there listening and know that just like Couch Talks always is, I keep those anonymous. So you don't have to worry about anybody knowing whose bagel story it is. Although this is all in the name of 
releasing shame. So I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody from having a bagel moment. And hopefully we can all get to that place as well through sharing these stories. Okay, so I was listening to the latest Brene Brown podcast and she started off, well, actually she started off announcing that it was the end of her podcast, which I'm not sure if she meant totally her podcast or just her podcast on Spotify because it's just solely on Spotify. She didn't go into that, but she said that at the beginning. And then eventually she started talking about this thing called the assumption of positive intent. And if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it is basically what it says. And it's more of a workplace value system idea that I believe was postured to help foster better culture in the workplace um, where you assume positive intent before you think somebody is, you know, out to get you or doing something, you know, on purpose to make you upset, angry, etc. And as I heard that, it reminded me of something that I used to say way more than I say now, which is that people generally are doing the best that they can. Sometimes, though, we need more than someone's best. And this tends to come up a lot when working with clients who have childhood trauma and don't want to demonize their parents, but need to acknowledge that their needs weren't met as a kid to move past something in their life. And one of the reasons that this is so important is that when we can acknowledge that something was wrong, but the intentions were not bad, we get to rewrite certain scripts we have lived our whole lives by, and we get to change the lens that we have been seeing the world through. If my needs weren't met, and that is because my parents don't care about me, then you're starting your experience of the world with a pretty shitty lens, one that may see you as not good enough or less than or not worthy. And if my needs were met, but I can't acknowledge that, and I ignore the fact that I ever had needs, then you're setting yourself up to ignore your needs and then destroy a positive sense of self. If I don't have needs, then like, who am I? All of that. Acknowledging this also helps us untie ourselves from insecure attachments that the lack of this awareness comes with. And that's a lot of times what I do in therapy when this comes up. And when we create more secure attachments, we're able to actually create healthier relationships. We're able to set boundaries and we are actually able to experience our needs being met. Now, a little caveat here that I feel is necessary to say is that when it comes to abuse or um, neglect or anything like that, you can't just shout this phrase to somebody and expect them just to accept it and receive it well. That can be very damaging and it can be really invalidating. So please know that there is a spectrum of how this work that I'm talking about and I'm, as I'm talking about, I'm talking about it in a nutshell. There's a spectrum of how it's done and how beliefs are shifted. It's not something we just throw at people. Now, Brene mentioned that, which I thought was very interesting, that people who are actually able to assume positive intent, who are able to actually assume that people are doing their best, all have something in common. And that thing is the ability to set boundaries. And a prerequisite to the ability to set boundaries is believing that someone is worthy of doing so. And then those boundaries actually lead to how we end up being treated through how we allow other people to treat us. And when I can set boundaries because I know my worth, when someone acts in a way that doesn't sit well with me, I also have the ability to assume that positive intent to believe the best in someone. The behavior of someone else is not at that point directly tied to my worthiness or my value inherently. It is tied to that person's own self. 
their behavior becomes their behavior versus a reflection of my value. Which brings me to something that shows up all of the time, and that is people demonizing others because of their possible poor behavior when they refuse to set boundaries. That might be confusing, so we're going to talk about that. Are you somebody who, or do you know somebody who, over and over and over again, finds themselves being taken advantage of? They ask themselves frequently why people don't respect them and why it feels like a lot of the people around them are just doing the bare minimum. Well, what I'm here to do is gently burst the bubble that a lot of people feel very comfortable sitting inside when it comes to this. And the answer to these questions, why people do this, the answer is usually not because everyone in the world sucks. It's not because all men suck. It's not because people overall are out to get you for the most part. Sometimes men do suck and sometimes people might be out to get you, but If this is a pattern in your life, then it probably has less to do with other people and way more to do with how you show up with others and how you treat yourself. We are our own live how to treat me manuals for the world. We are the direction. We are the guide. We show people how we want to be treated and how to do that well. And to help you visualize what I mean, I'm going to share a couple examples. I don't know why this came to me, but I was thinking about how I I treat different people differently. And one thing stuck out immediately, and it was the different professors in my undergrad program. So there was this one professor, she was the capstone teacher. She taught like the capstone class. Um, And I think she might've been head of the department. She was very intimidating. She was very scary, but she also was very kind to me (laughs) personally. That was my experience of her. She was very serious, very professional. And thus in her class, the students were very serious and very professional. The only time we went to her office was during office hours. I would never just pop in. And when I would send her emails, I would double check them like six times to make sure they were correct. I signed them correctly. I did everything right. I would never think of using my phone in her class. I wouldn't eat in her class. I wouldn't be late to her class. None of that. Meanwhile, there's this other professor in my department and he was like everybody's favorite teacher. He was not mine, but he was a lot of people's favorite. His classes were people's favorite classes. And he was often on exam day or test day or presentation day greeted by students with sonic blasts which shout out Sonic Blast, one of the best treats out there. I would email him like I would text a friend and having your phone on your desk and using it and showing up late to class was a very normal thing to do. Most people did that. Now, while my inherent good student qualities (laughs) would show up in both of those classes, like I didn't go late to either of those classes because that's just who I was. I did show up in some ways differently based on how those two professors showed us how they wanted their classes to be treated. And now this is not because I'm a chameleon or because I don't have a sense of self. Like I said, I would show up to both of those classes on time and my assignments were always turned in on time and they were done well. I put effort into all of them. But Because both people modeled different boundaries, I attuned to those boundaries differently in those classes. So I never texted in the capstone class. I never had my phone out. I wonder if sometimes I left my phone in my room because I was afraid it would even go off in that class and how bad that would be. But I always had my phone on my desk in this other class and 
I'm sure I texted throughout the class. And like I said, the emails I sent were very different. So if my second professor was wondering, why do people always show up on time to your class, but not mine? An easy answer would be like, oh, because you probably show up late often. You laugh when people come in late. You don't lock the door when the class starts. And so your boundaries look different. You're modeling how we should show up to your class. Also, a metaphor that came to me this week, and I was like, wow, that's, that's a good metaphor and that makes sense. As I was talking about this kind of thing with somebody was, you know how when you go to somebody's house and you notice that there's a basket for shoes at the front door and then you might see them put their drink on a coaster as you're like sitting down and hanging out. And then there are those people's houses when you walk in and they're like sprawled on the couch and maybe they're like cat or their dog or whatever pet they have, their turtle gerbil is on the couch with them. And when you sit down on the couch, you look at the coffee table and there's like rings all over it from the obvious not using of coasters. Well, are you more likely to take your shoes off at the door and use a coaster at the first house or the second house? Probably the first house. And if you're saying the second house, then you're lying. Now, again, who you are, you might be somebody who always has to use a coaster. That might be an inherent part of you. But if you're not one of those people, you're probably going to do it at the first house and you're not going to do the second house because the second house is saying, hey, I don't care. You don't have to do this. And the first house is saying this is really important to me. People model how they want their things to be treated. Humans are not different than coffee tables in this scenario that I'm giving you. Now, we do this modeling on a spectrum of how we think we deserve to be treated and through the lens of what we think we can get. And you know that quote that says people ex- accept the level of love that they think they deserve? I think it makes more sense to go a step farther and say people accept the love that they think they can get. That feels more direct and true. So if you want a guy to communicate with you consistently, but every six months when he reaches out, you have no issue hanging out the first time he suggests it, well, If that's what you think you can get from him, you're going to take it. And in turn, what do you think you're going to continue to get? You're modeling to him what you want slash require slash even need. And so it's hard to see the good in people when we're constantly being hurt without understanding that we are setting ourselves up to be hurt right? It's hard to see the good in people when I'm constantly being hurt. Let's just use the example of guys, of these guys who just, you know, text me randomly and aren't consistent and this and that when I don't see that I'm actually giving them information that tells them, hey, this is okay that you do this. And I think men don't have respect, but maybe he just doesn't know how you want to be treated. And if you wanted him to text you consistently, he might. I mean, he might not, but he might. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If we want to be treated with respect, we have to model what respect looks like for us, even good people get lazy. And if there is a way to get our needs met easier, we're probably going to take that route, right? It's not always that people are not respecting you, that people don't care about you, or people don't want to put effort into their relationship with you. It might be that the person who you think is disrespecting you has no idea that you feel that way. I hear pretty often stories about partners who never help with the laundry or cleaning or household tasks like that. And there is usually this essence of resentment that boils down to not feeling cared for or feeling taken advantage of. And one of the most simple questions that I ask in those situations is, well, have you ever asked them to do these things? Usually I get some form of no or not consistently. And then I'll say, okay, well, how often are you doing these things? Every day. I do it every day. Every time this thing needs to be done. Oh, well, in my head, what I wonder is if they know that you want them to do them and how important that is to you. And if they've even had a chance to do those things, if you're doing them every day, you're setting up an expectation that you will take care of those things or that these things don't bother you. And you show your partner that you're going to do them and then you take it personally when they don't read your mind that you don't like having to do that. And trust me, I can do this too. But if we think someone is going to think I'm asking for too much just by asking for my basic needs so I don't ask and I don't receive my need, then that is actually my problem. It's a me problem and not an issue with somebody not caring about you. Now, I've been pretty vocal about my frustration with dating coaches and the how-to guides that promise how you can get a guy or girl of your dreams or whatever kind of person of your dreams that you want. 
And what I am not doing here is telling you how to find that in three easy steps. But what I am doing and what I hope to be doing is inviting all of you guys into a space where you can recognize the blind spots and roadblocks that you are setting up, keep you from having the chance to find the relationships that you want in your life, whether those are friend relationships, romantic relationships, work relationships, what have you. So there are three essential parts to training people how you want to be treated. And those include one, being aware of what it is that you want. And I feel like some of y'all are probably thinking, duh, obviously we do that. But I am serious about getting serious about this because I think often we skip the most obvious steps because since it's obvious, we shouldn't have to put much effort into it. But I don't think that's so true all the time. Some of us have spent our whole lives avoiding our needs. So it might take a second for us to actually hash these out and allow them to show up. Then the second part is asking for what we want. We have to make these things known. If we want people to take their shoes off at the door, we need to put a basket there. If we want people to use a coaster on our coffee tables, we need to hand one to our friends and request that they put their drink on it. And then the last part is setting boundaries, which is full circle with this whole conversation. And the thing about boundaries is you don't always have to yell them from the rooftops. You, you can set internal boundaries. And a lot of these are going to be internal boundaries based on what it is that I want and need. If you don't want to be a booty call, don't answer a text from somebody at 10 p.m. asking if you have plans that night. And if somebody refuses to use a coaster at your house, which I think would be kind of insane, don't invite them to your house again. Or if they come back to your house, you can tell them no drinks allowed inside. Something that I always feel necessary to remind people when when boundaries get brought up at all is that we are responsible for upholding those. Those are not anybody else's responsibility. So if I have a boundary that I want to be respected, I am in charge of actually holding on to whatever consequence comes with that not being met. Otherwise, our boundaries just become suggestions. And like I said, people like to take the easy ways. And if it's just a suggestion, but you're not going to do anything about it and they still get their needs met there's no motivation to do anything different. Now, when we don't do this, when we don't set boundaries and we get treated poorly, or maybe just not how we want to be treated, oftentimes we have an experience of thinking that, like I said before, people suck. I can't count on anybody. People don't value me. People don't care about me or some version of something negative about the world. When we are kids and our needs are not met, something kids do, children do, because of the stage of their development is that they assume their needs are not met because there's something wrong with them. It's an egocentric way of looking at the world. The world revolves around me. That is on par with the stage of development that kids are in. We are supposed to grow out of this linear way of thinking, A equals B. We can see that there's more to it. As we get older, what we learn while we experience secure attachment is that the world actually doesn't revolve around us individually. And often the reason XYZ happened really had nothing to do with me personally. But if I'm sitting on the edge of an avoidant or an anxious attachment, then I might stay in this ego brain and we don't get to experience the differentiation between others' behavior and my own worth. We solidify this lens with beliefs like I am not worthy, I am not good enough, I am not wanted, I am too much. And that's how I end up viewing a lot of the things that happen in my life. The reality is is that people will disappoint you. There will be people who do not value you enough to put in effort to do the things that you want. Being a human on earth and choosing to engage in human relationships is an automatic ticket to at some point feel rejected in some way. Now, what I need you guys to know is that this is more due to the nature of 
being a human being and the fact that human beings are imperfect rather than any one person's actual inherent value. And insecure attachment are attempts to avoid abandonment and rejection is like the number one goal. We are taught the message that there is no hope for our needs being met or that hope is very inconsistent. So when you have hope, you better hold on to it and not let it go. While at the same time, we have this need to maintain connection and attempt to experience love and belonging. And if you want more information, if you're like, oh, I don't really get this, what are you talking about? If you want more information on attachment, I have a couple episodes. Just search you need therapy and attachment and you will find those. I have two on attachment in general and then I have one specifically on anxious attachment. I have another one specifically on avoidant attachment that you can dive into. And those honestly might be helpful to listen to more than one time because it's information that might sometimes float away as we continue to move on in our own world with our own lenses. So when this happens, when we have these insecure attachments going on, what people do a lot of times is they engage in patterns of behavior that reinforce the negative belief that they have about themselves because their ego is not strong enough to sit in uncomfortable unknown experiences. But while they're doing this, what they think they're doing is the opposite. Their defense mechanisms become their blind spots. And while they believe they are protecting themselves, they end up deepening wounds that drive their inability to actually set the boundaries that we're talking about. Now, if I refuse to ask for my needs and fear that people don't value me enough to show up for me in those ways, I am one, not giving anybody the opportunity to disprove that fear, which allows it to continue to ring true. Two, I'm setting the people up around me up to let me down. And Three, I am spending my time catering to people who might not respect me or care for me because I don't end up weeding out the people that don't deserve to be in my life, which is not a unique problem for any one person. We all have those people in our lives, no matter who we are. And you're often left spending the majority of your time hanging out with people that don't meet your needs because you basically tell them that it's okay not to through your behavior. And this happens because the uncomfortable space of finding out if people will be able to show up for you or will want to show up for you feels too risky. And it ends up being this is better than nothing. So if you're listening to this and relating hard, good. And I don't mean that and good. I'm glad you have experiences that feel crappy. But I mean that is good because what is true is that it doesn't have to be this way. And if you are aware that it is this way, then you can hear me say it doesn't have to be this way. And it may be a journey to get out of where you are. And it may come with risks. Those risks might include hard feelings or experiencing rejection or confusing people because you start to change your behavior and that's confusing to people. But again, it doesn't have to stay this way. Those things don't have to be roadblocks for you getting out of this. And when these shifts are made, not only do you give yourself the opportunity to be loved the way you want and the way you deserve, you also open up a space to see the world in a much more beautiful light. And yes, there is bad in the world. There is evil in the world, but there is a lot of good out there too. And acknowledging the bad doesn't mean we can't enjoy the good at the same time, which is something that I think is going to be a 
theme for you need therapy as this year goes by. I want to start creating more spaces where it's okay to talk about the good parts of life because we've acknowledged that it's okay to talk about the bad parts and we've gotten that message out there. And I think sometimes, and if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you probably have heard me talk about this before, but we get stuck in that mindset of acknowledging the bad and we forget that, hey, just because there is bad doesn't mean there aren't glimmers of light. There aren't cracks of light, even when we are in the depths of of valley situations. And so something that I am going to do this year is do a better job of holding both of those things as true for you guys throughout the year. And I will model ways to do that. And that's my promise to you guys. And that is going to do it for You Need Therapy today. If you want to follow me or the podcast, you can do that on Instagram at You Need Therapy Podcast and at cat.defada. And if you want to send me a message or a question for Couch Talks, which is the episode that comes out on Wednesdays where I answer questions that you guys send in to me, then you can email Catherine at youneedtherapypodcast.com. And remember the new segment we're going to have on Couch Talks, which is bagel moments. If you guys have those bagel moments, then send them in to me because I think it's important for us to share our own of struggle so we feel less alone and less crazy for a lack of a better term. So send those in to me and I will be back with you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Diosa And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.